I want to share just for a minute tonight. Again, it has to deal with Jesus himself. And the reason we keep talking about Jesus, guys, is 1 Corinthians 2.2. Paul said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I don't care how long you've been walking with Christ or how long you've been searching into Christ or anything like that. He is just so worth focusing on. It's kind of like my relationship with Aaron. Aaron's my wife. I would be crazy. Tim, what would you say if I told you I'm, I'm over Aaron? She's, she's kind of like not that big of a deal anymore. She's pretty basic. I'm into deeper things now. You'd say, Nate, you need serious help. <laughs> right? And, <laughs> see, it's the same thing with Jesus. Jesus is my best friend. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's everything to me. And without Him, I'm nothing. And it can never do me wrong to hear more about Him and to contemplate and to think about how wonderful He is. So I hope you enjoy hearing more about Jesus and different situations and uh, different things that He did and said. I hope it really encourages you. I wanted to talk this week about how Jesus responded to sin because it's something that we all have to deal with. And when He was on this planet, He was a human being and fully God at the same time, and He would respond to people's sin. And it was dramatically different than many people have ever responded to you when you sin. Or a lot of times it was different than how we respond to other people when they sin. But I think this is just such a huge issue. Don't you guys feel when you sin almost like it's hard to go to God? Don't you feel like that? Almost like, I'm, I'm scared to go to Him again. I'm scared. Or I feel dirty. I don't know if He wants to see me. You ever feel like that? Well, I hope after this talk that whole mindset has changed. And so let's just look at a few a few verses. I wanted to start with Luke 5, 31-32. And this illustrates kind of how significant this issue is to Jesus. There were all these people that were sinning, and Jesus was hanging out with them. He was going directly to the sinners, to the prostitutes, and to a lot of tax collectors, which were like the most hated people in the entire culture then. And he went straight to them. And the Pharisees asked, why are you hanging out with sinners? You should be hanging out with righteous people. And Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So right there, Jesus was saying, I'm not here to hang out with people that never sin. He goes, I'm here for the people that need me, the people that do sin. And so whenever I sin, I know Jesus is right there to hang out with me then. He doesn't say, Nate, when you quit sinning, come hang out with me. Nate, when you're perfect, come hang out with me. He says, right now, come hang out with me, just how you are. That's what I came for. You're, you're sick as a human being, and you need a doctor. And I'm the only one that can be there for you. And sin is a big deal to him. It's, it's not like God ever just goes, ah, it's just some stupid little thing. No big deal. Like, it's a huge issue. In Matthew 21, 12, Jesus, it says, Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. So imagine... In walks Jesus, and we're all like, holy cow, Jesus is here. This is pretty sweet. And he starts throwing things around. Just picture this. Picking up a chair and flinging it against the wall. Picking up and kicking a table over. Could you imagine Jesus himself doing this? It's kind of hard, right? It's kind of hard. Well, he was going to this temple, to a place where people were praising God. But they were doing it with the wrong hearts. And there were people there trying to make money off other people praising God. It angered Jesus. See, our sin... Our sin is not a small issue. It's a big deal. And it angers him. When Jesus was on the cross, he was separated from his Father for the first time ever in the history of the world, in all of eternity. He said, Father, why have you forsaken me? See, that sin was such a big issue that it even separated him from his Father. Even though it was that big of an issue, 
he still wants to come to us when we're in that place and need him so desperately. In John 8, 7, and then in 10 through 11, it says this, if, anyone is, if any one of you is without sin, and this is Jesus speaking, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. He was saying this to a woman that was caught in adultery. So this woman was caught in what at that time was one of the worst sins that anybody in that culture could be caught in. And they're getting ready to kill her, throw stones at her. And Jesus said, if you're without sin, you throw the first stone. Can you imagine that response? Just silence everybody there. Everybody's going, I can't throw this stone. I've sinned too. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, no one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So he didn't just say, hey, it's, it's fine, it's fine. But he said to her, he said, I'm not here to condemn you. Brandon was talking about that. He said, I'm here to forgive you. And he said, go and leave this life. I have so, just like Mark was saying, I have so much better for you. I have so much joy, so much peace, so much hope. So much contentment that none of that other stuff can ever offer. He says, leave that. It's not going to satisfy you. And he says, and I don't condemn you. I forgive you. I forgive you. In Matthew 17, 7, this is kind of an interesting verse. And it kind of goes back to a whole passage. But what happened was, Jesus was transfigured. And Moses and Elijah, from the Old Testament, they show up and they're speaking to Jesus. And Peter, one of the disciples, he gets so excited about this. He says, let's set up some little shrines to Moses and Elijah and you. That's what the Bible would call idolatry. It's whenever we put something above God, when we put something else above Him. And Peter thinks this is a good idea. We all do that with different things. We, I did it with snowboarding. I've told some of you guys that snowboarding was like an idol to me for many years. And I put that higher than God for many years. And God finally had to get control of that and, and say, no, Nate, I'm first, not snowboarding. And we, we can do it with girlfriends, boyfriends, with jobs, with sports. We can do it with anything. And what, what happened, though, is after Peter comes up with this fabulous idea of making these shrines to people other than God himself, to Moses and Elijah, God the Father speaks in an audible voice. He says, this is my son, Jesus, in whom I am well pleased. He says, this, this is who you're supposed to be focusing on, not Elijah and Moses and all these side people. He said, get your eyes off the idols in your life and put them on Christ. Put them on Jesus. But then, I love Jesus' response. Jesus doesn't come to Peter and he's not angry with Peter. He doesn't say, oh, I can't believe you're so stupid. But he says, get up and don't be afraid. Can you imagine that? It's kind of like I've felt many times when I put something above Christ in my life and he comes to me and he says, Nate, get up. Don't be afraid. I'm not here to kill you. I'm here to walk with you and to help you through this. Get up and don't be afraid. In Mark 14, 38, Jesus is, is trying to pray with his disciples. And they keep falling asleep. You guys ever do that? <laughs> I did that a few times this week. Trying to have my connect time with God. My, my time of just reading in his word. Praying and talking to him and hearing from him. And often it's easy, right? To just kind of doze off. Or maybe even to miss those times just not even get them in our schedule. Isn't it true that after you miss that time, or maybe if you totally neglect God for a while, you feel almost like it's hard to come back to Him? Isn't that true? What I love is how Jesus responded to these disciples. He said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And then He said, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. See, he, he believed the best in them. He said, I know you're willing. I know you desire to relate to me. I know you desire to talk with me and to pray with me. He said, I know your flesh is weak. 
See, he understands where we're at. He understands where we're at. In Luke 23, 34, when Jesus is dying on the cross in front of all these people that have put him there, they've nailed him to the cross, and they're killing him for our sins. And he has all of our sins on him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. I promise you, Mark, if you try to nail my hand to the wall, I will not be saying, Lord God, forgive Mark, for he doesn't know what he's doing. Right? I'd be screaming at you, what in the world are you doing? Probably be using language I've never used before. But (laughs) anyway, can you imagine Jesus' attitude? He says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And see, whenever I sin, it it hurts God. But I know his his attitude isn't, Gina, I want to squish you now. His attitude is, is, I forgive you. You don't know what you're doing when you do that. You don't know how bad it hurts you and me. But I forgive you when you're doing that. I forgive you when you're doing that. In Luke 15, 4-7, Jesus tells a story or a parable about a shepherd that has 100 sheep. And 99 are on track. And one gets away from the herd. And he says a good shepherd leaves those 99 to go look for that one. He's not neglecting the 99, but he loves that one so much that he is willing to, to use every ounce of his energy, his time, and his resources to go find that one and not leave them alone. He's willing to seek them out. And it says right there that that is God's heart towards us. And that's true. Haven't you ever thought about this? Like say, you don't show up to church or you don't show up to connect and then and then you're like, I don't feel like going back there because everybody's going to be like weird. Or maybe God. Maybe, does that make sense? Like maybe God's going to think, oh, you're pretty bad. You haven't been to church in a long time. You know? Have you ever thought thoughts like that? Imagine this. When we go away from God, when we sin... We're the ones that he goes after. He doesn't say, okay, that's it. But he he pursues us that much more when we neglect him. He pursues us that much more because he loves us so much. And this is a verse that I think is so refreshing. How how hard is it to feel clean after you're dirty? Get a plate and put the grossest stuff you can imagine on that plate. I don't know. Use your imagination. It's disgusting. Now, put it out in your garage for a couple months and let it just bake into that plate. And it's really gross. Okay, you got the picture? Now take it in and clean it. Just clean it. Wash it off real good. Are you going to want to eat off that plate or a different plate? A different plate, right? Isn't that true? Because it's so hard to visualize that something that's been dirty can be made clean. It's just part of how we are as humans. I saw this analogy once where this this guy took a $100 bill and he spit on it. And he said, he said, who wants this $100 bill? Everybody raised their hand, you know. He blew his nose on it. And he said, who wants this $100 bill? Everybody still raised their hand. And he stomped on it. Who wants this $100 bill? Everybody still raised their hand because that, that $100 bill has value. And that's how you are to Christ. You know, we sin, we do stupid stuff, but he still receives us. He still loves us. He still forgives us. And the thing that is so neat, 1 John 1, nine says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our, of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that amazing or what? See, he will cleanse you of every bit of that sin. It's not like... Okay, I sinned, now I ask God's forgiveness. But he still remembers it, and he's like, oh yeah, I'll forgive you this once, but you do it one more time and you're busted. That's not his heart. That's not his heart. He says he completely cleanses me from all unrighteousness. He completely cleanses me from every single thing that has ever kept me away from him. It's so hard for me to accept that, though. In Genesis 3.8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking, in the garden, in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So Adam and Eve, after they sinned, they went and hid from God. 
Isn't that our natural tendency? It's like I do something wrong, and I want to I want to hide from God. I, I want to go away from where He is because it makes me feel awkward inside to be in His presence. Or maybe I feel like I can't be. Or maybe I feel like He can't accept me. What I want you guys to get tonight is when you sin, run to Him that much more. That is that's the best time to run to Him. I'm not kidding you. My connect time with God every morning. The most intimate time I spend with God is confessing any known sin that He reveals to me. Because it's during that time that I recognize His grace, that I recognize His love, that I recognize all that He's forgiven me of and all that I have in Him. In Psalm 103, it says that He's cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. How far is the east from the west? It's a word that starts with an I. Infinite. Infinite. It's infinitely far away. When we sin and we ask Him to forgive us, He casts that sin as far from us as the east is from the west. That's infinitely far from you. It's not even close to you. It's infinitely far away from you. Instantly. The second you ask Him to forgive it. He paid for that sin, so don't hold on to it. It's so easy for us as humans to want to hold on to it. And say, I can't give this to God. I can't give this to God. He already paid for it. So don't live with that sin beating you up outside. Just give it to Him and be free. And realize He sees you as perfect through Jesus Christ and through His payment on the cross for that sin. He sees you as totally sinless because of His forgiveness. And the reason that He's so sympathetic towards us. Don't those verses kind of give you a picture of how Jesus responded to people that sinned? He had love. He, he desired to be with them. He desired to spend time with them, even when they were far away from Him. In Hebrews 4.15, it says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. See, Jesus, He walked this, this planet just like each of us. Katie, every thought you've ever had, every temptation you've ever had, Jesus felt those same things. Tim, it's the same for you. Riley, it's the same for you. It's the same for me. Everything I've ever struggled with, he struggled with. Except he didn't sin. He was totally perfect. But he knows the struggles that I have to deal with. And it says in 1 Corinthians 10.13 that he is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So even though we all go through this thing called temptation, and at school there's a lot of temptation everywhere you look, he says he's been through it. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're thinking. He knows how hard it is to say no. And he says, still, he's there with you, walking with you, strengthening you, encouraging you, loving you, forgiving you when you sin, but giving you power so that you don't have to sin as you trust him. He's there doing all that. A few of you guys remember at the retreat, I I talked a little bit from Romans 7. And Paul talks about it this way. Have you guys ever had this fight inside? I want to do what's right, but then I oh, I want to do this other thing. And it's like pulling me apart inside. The right and the wrong, and they're tugging from both sides. Paul says, for what I do is not the good I want to do. I don't do what I the good things that I want to do. No, the evil that I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself... In my mind, I'm a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So Paul says, I have this fight going on in me. Have you guys ever felt that? I've got two, I got two people in me. i got two. i got one that wants to do good, one that wants to do bad, and they're fighting. And, and Paul says, Jesus is going to give me strength over that. But he, along the way, when I sin, is forgiving me. So I want to encourage you guys to do that victory over sin in your life. It doesn't come from trying harder. This is, this is a huge key. It doesn't come from trying not to do what's bad. 
It comes from just simply looking at Jesus and loving him. That's it. Just looking at Jesus. In Hebrews 12, 1, 2, it says, Lay aside that sin and fix your eyes on Jesus. Because as we just simply love him more and just fix our eyes on him, as we just simply let him forgive us and cleanse us, as we simply connect with him, that James 4, 8 verse that we keep mentioning every week, come near to God, he'll come near to you. In that relationship, he changes us from the inside out. So we don't have to change ourselves. I don't have to be, I don't have to make myself better. See the freedom that is? I don't have to change. I don't have to change. All I have to do is love Christ, and then he changes me. Isn't that neat? And when I fall and sin, he forgives me as I allow him. See, it gives me so much freedom, so much joy to relate to him. The bottom bottom line that I wanted to really share tonight is that don't let your sin put up a, a barrier between you and God, but draw near to him. And when you sin, ask his forgiveness and know he cleanses you that instant and casts it infinitely far away from you. In 2 Timothy 2.13 it says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He's faithful, even when we're faithless, because he's not going to deny himself. So even when we're making mistakes, he's faithful to us, to love us, to not condemn us. Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. You have total freedom in your relationship with him to receive his forgiveness and to let him change you from the inside out as you simply just love him. In John 18 and then in 21, we hear a story. And this is the last thing I want to mention. But in John 18, Peter denies Christ three times. Most of you guys remember this, right? Peter's, I should mention him twice tonight. He made a lot of mistakes in the New Testament and did a lot of stupid things. Kind of like us, right? Kind of like me. And in John 18, he denies Christ three times. So imagine if Justin, somebody says, So, are you a Christian, Justin? And you go, No. Wait a minute, I thought, I thought you were talking about Jesus last week. Not me, dude. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I've never, I've never loved Jesus. Can you imagine saying something like that? Peter was one of his closest disciples, lived with him for three years. And they asked him three times, three different times, Weren't you with Jesus? Weren't you one of his disciples? And all three times Peter said, Not me. I don't know who you're talking about. He flat out denies Christ. And after Jesus dies and comes back from the dead, he comes to Peter. What, what's the first thing Jesus says to him? He does, and this is in chapter 21 of John. He doesn't come up and say, You jerk, how did you deny me three times? I can't believe that. You know what he asks him? He says, Peter, do you love me? See, he says, Peter, do you love me? He asks him that three times. Peter, do you love me? And that's just my encouragement, is when we fall, guys... I just love Christ. Go back to Him. Say, yeah, I made a stupid mistake. Please forgive me, God. And, and please change me from the inside out. But just love Him. Just connect with Him. Because out of that, He will change you from the inside out. And it just gives you a whole lot of freedom to just grow closer to Him. So anyway, that's all I had to share.